It's good to be together. And you know what? We have been in a great series, DIY, Do It Yourself. And Sean gave a rousing sermon last week to our fathers. It was incredible. He talked about how every dad has a house to build, a city to lead, and a kid to raise. And it was a powerful sermon. Let me tell you, I have got a lot of kids to raise, okay? Four girls, number four is on the way. Jubilee's going to be here any day. We're excited. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yes, it's exciting news. Jubilee is going to be here any day. And so, yeah, ain't nobody going to be contending with me in the gate. I'll tell you right, I got a full quiver. I am ready to go. Anybody, any time, I will take you on. So, um, all right, so we're going to be talking about DIY, do it yourself. And this is the final week of our series. I hope it's going to be a good day. I think it's going to be a good day. We're talking about spirit and flesh. Okay, that's the title of our sermon today. So here's the thing I have noticed, all right? Rarely is doing the right thing a knowledge problem. At least for me, this is the case. Rarely is doing the right thing a knowledge problem. I told you I live in a house full of women, okay? I have embraced it, guys. I have, I mean, I'm in. Like, we've got female cats. We've got female plants. I don't even know how that's the case. Everything in my house is female, and I have full-on embraced it. Here's the thing, though, right? When you live in a house full of ladies, you know as a guy what's the one rule. You never leave what? The toilet seat up. Is it, am I right? You are never supposed to leave the toilet seat up. Come on. I mean, it's like closing the hood of your car, right? You're not going to drive down the road with the hood up. We should know this. This is not a knowledge problem, but here's the deal. Here's the thing, right? I know what the right thing to do, but you know, it happens. And it'll be that moment when it's like, I'm going to use, I'm going to leave the seat up and then it's going to be four in the morning and Jackie gets up, Jubilee is dancing on her bladder and then you hear the splash. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That is the worst possible moment. You're like, what is wrong with me? This is, I've got the knowledge. I just can't seem to get it right. But I'm pretty good. Okay. I've learned to adapt as a dad. I want to be all things to all men or all women, as the case may be. But it's not a knowledge problem. Something else is going on. Why do we do it? Why can't we just know the right thing and then do it? Why isn't it just that simple? I remember watching uh, these cartoons when I was growing up as a kid, right? You remember watching like the Looney Tunes and the Warner Brothers? You remember those cartoons growing up as a kid, right? And so what is up with the Warner Brothers? I mean, were these kids like dropped as children? What is going on? You've got characters dropping bombs on each other. They're flattening each other out like pancakes. There's explosions. I mean, I seriously wonder what is happening in these cartoons, all right? But I remember as a kid, one of my favorite ones was Tom and Jerry. You remember Tom and Jerry? The cat and the mouse, those guys were awesome, right? And so there's a scenario that happens in Tom and Jerry where Tom is like, he's like thinking through a potential course of action that he's about to take, right? So he's thinking, okay, am I going to smash Jerry with this hammer or should I not? Inevitably, what pops up, right? You've got this little angel of Tom that pops up on one shoulder. You remember this? And then the devil, like with the pitchfork and the horns on the other side. And they're, they're suggesting to Tom, okay, here's what you need to do. There's like this potential course of action. The devil's like, smash him, like finish him, you know, finish him. And then the angel's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like you have to be nice, you have to be kind. And then what is the, the, the devil version of Tom jumps over and like beats up the angel version. Like, no, you just be quiet. And then inevitably Tom smashes Jerry or whatever is going to happen, right? Some sort of violence. I mean, you wonder why we were, had problems as kids. I mean, this is what we all grew up on. What is wrong with us? So, 
But it was a violent cartoon. So what is going, like, what is happening? Like, is this reality? I think sometimes we believe that this is kind of how it works, right? There's like this dark side of who we are, and then there's the light side, right? And, and we want to make sure that we listen to the light side and, and don't do what the dark side says, right? And so we get into this. This is kind of how we view our lives. And it's, I mean, you see this, right? This part of you, this dark side, this part of you that just kind of, while you're driving down the road, you just kind of want to plunge into oncoming traffic. Like, what is wrong with that? Or that part of you that's like randomly is just walking around, you see something on fire or like a flame, and you're like, I kind of want to set other things on fire. Like, why do we want to do that? Or, you, you know, that you're running around with your kids in the backyard, and they're all playing on the swing set, and there goes your kid running in front of you, and you just think, I can just trip them from behind right now, just so easily. And then you actually do it. Like, what is wrong with us? What is going on? But we all do this. We've got this dark side that's like, what is happening? Why do I want to do these things? Well, here's the thing. The scripture teaches us that there's something more going on here than a wrestle with our conscience. Okay, scripture talks to us about how there are actual spiritual forces at play that are warring for our will and that are trying to get us to do the right thing and the wrong thing. But how do we do it? How can we actually step in and do the right thing? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, spirit and flesh. And so let's dive into this, all right? Um, we're going to be talking about this in Galatians chapter 5. So if you will, turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Okay? And as you turn there, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, okay? So let's pray and we, as we open up the Word together. Father God, thank you for your truth. Lord, we ask that you would lead us into all truth this morning. Father God, teach us from your Word. May we live by the Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Galatians 5 and verse 16. Here we go. It says, uh, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. So let's stop right there, okay? A lot right there, right here in the beginning, and we're going to talk about this. Verse 16 gives us our DIY project for the day. It is what? We are to walk by the Spirit, right? We all know this to be true. If you've been in Christianity a little while, you know that we are supposed to walk by the Spirit and not to gratify the desires of the flesh, But what does that mean? How do we actually walk by the Spirit? How does this actually take place in our day-to-day life? Well, right off the bat, we see this. This isn't going to exactly be tea and crumpets, right? There's this conflict going on. Okay, in verse 17, the Spirit and the flesh are in conflict with one another. Right? So here's the reality for Christians, my friends. We are at war. Moment by moment, decision By decision, there is a real internal conflict going on all the time. The flesh and the spirit are at war. And it's going to determine, the outcome of this conflict is going to determine whether we are going to walk by the spirit or give in to the flesh. And when we lose, what does it say in this passage? We don't do what? The things that we actually want to do. That's what happens when you lose the conflict. You end up not doing the things that you want to do. 
And we all feel this war going on. I mean, it's the reason why the Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes have got a whole series where these things happen, right? Because there is a conflict, a real war, a battle going on in us. And we feel it. And sometimes there's this part of us that just kind of wants to give up and resign ourselves and say, you know what? This is just the way that I am. I'm always going to be this way. And we just want to give up. Or we just want to stop listening to the Spirit. We want to say, you know what? I'm going to silence that. I'm not going to listen to that. But here's the key for the Christian, all right? For those of us who are believers, this is what's very important about this passage. But we cannot give up the fight. We cannot give up the fight because growing as a Christian means staying in the fight. Growing as a Christian means staying in the fight. Part of us, I think, wants to get to this place of peace and rest. If only I can just find rest. And guys, that's not how Christianity works. Christianity is about staying in the fight, engaging the flesh head on. And we're going to talk about that. We have areas of our life, all of us, every single one of us, at whatever stage in the faith you're at, all of us have things in our life that are not under the control of the Spirit And we have to continue to fight those areas. We have to bring those areas under the submission of the Spirit of God. So, let me show you a picture of how the Christian life works, okay? i got a graphic up here I want you to take a look at. Okay, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, at the very beginning, we get the Spirit of God, all right? And that happens at the beginning. Maybe I don't have a graphic, but if not, just watch me ignore that. Okay, so right at the beginning, imagine a timeline. Here's the graphic. That's all it is. It's just a big line. All right, here's my, here's my graphic. Here's the beginning. We accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And over here on this side, this is when we die and go to be with the Lord. Okay? And so in this point right here, we no longer have a struggle with the flesh. We are perfected. But here's the thing. We're not breathing oxygen over here, guys. The potty problem, leaving the toilet seat up, is solved. Never have to worry about that again. But right here in between, there's probably no coincidence that I'm pointing at myself right now, is when we have to deal with the flesh. The flesh is at work in our lives. It's at work. And so here's the deal. And I know that this may be hard to hear, but we are never going to be without the flesh in this life. It's never going to completely go away. Now, we can have greater and greater victory over the flesh in this life if we keep on fighting. But it's never going to be gone completely. There will always be areas that the Lord wants to bring under submission to him. All right? And so this is what living the Christian life means. It means we have to learn how to walk by the Spirit. This is the cool thing about the Spirit, though. Okay, the flesh tells us something. It makes a promise. But the Spirit is the one who makes a more powerful promise. And we're going to talk about this. Even though the flesh dominates this part of our life, guys, sometimes the seasons are small and easy. Like sometimes it's just a little skirmish where the flesh is at work. And sometimes it's an all-out frontal assault, full-out battle with the flesh. And at those times, we just have to hold on and trust God. We have to keep trusting God that he's going to finish the work that he began in us. And he will. The struggle is real. There's a spiritual battle being fought over us every day. So let's talk about the two sides. There are two sides, the spirit and the flesh. How do they work? Well, both of them are us. Both of them are going on inside of us. The spirit is inside of us and the flesh is inside of us. So it's an internal struggle. 17 says they're in conflict so that we do not do what we want. 
And so what is the conflict over? It's over our actual desires. Okay? This is a motivational battle. It's a battle for the things that drive us. All right? That's what the key is here in Scripture. The flesh and the spirit are drivers. They generate action by creating goals that filter down into our needs. Okay? And we make choices in our lives based on these needs. That's what happens. So the spirit is what... The question for us is, how is... How is the spirit or the flesh driving our actions? What is driving your actions? That's the question for us this morning. What is driving you, the spirit or the flesh? Because both of them are making a promise. And the promise that they make is freedom. The flesh promises freedom and the spirit promises freedom. One of them is lying. And this promise continues to this day, but one of them is lying. How is that so? All right, well, let's talk about this promise as it pertains to the flesh first. So what is the flesh? It's that part of our hearts that is not yet renewed by the Spirit. It's parts of us that still need to be submitted to the Spirit of God. It's that part of us that, frankly, still says, I can do it better than God. I've got this. I can do this better. Ephesians calls the flesh the old man. And so this, let's look at this word here in verse uh, 17. It says, the flesh desires, right? So let's talk about that word. What does that word mean, the flesh desires? It's interesting that it says the flesh desires, but it doesn't use that same word for the spirit, right? It just says the spirit is contrary to the flesh. So what is the flesh desiring? Well, this word here means over-desire. So it's like desire gone crazy, right? Desire gone wild. That's what the flesh is promoting, is wild, rampant desire. When a good thing becomes a God in our life, when a good thing becomes all-consuming in our life, when a good thing begins to define who we are, it becomes an over-desire. In effect, it becomes a false God in our lives. And so really this word, desire, this is the New Testament idea of idolatry. So it's when we set something up as the ultimate solution for our lives. And we can begin to focus on things, right, apart from God. We all are beginning to probably think about that. It can be work. It can be, you know, it can even be recreation. It can be food, whatever. You begin to focus on it so it becomes all-consuming. And it's an over-desire, and it can become a God in our lives. And so the flesh promises freedom by setting up a false solution. It promises freedom... By setting up a false solution. There are two ways that it does that. Finding freedom through our good works and finding freedom through our bad works. Interesting how that works. Finding freedom through our good works and finding freedom through our bad works. This is legalism and license at its finest. Okay, this is the tactics of the flesh. It's we're going to find our goodness through our works. Either good works or bad works. But it's still based on the things that we can do. So let's talk about this. There's two areas, right? Legalism and license. Living according to the law is what it talks about in verse 18, right? It says that. You will not be under the law. Remember that in verse 18? So if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What does it mean to be under the law? It means that living in such a way that we believe our religious practices will get us to God, okay? 
This is when we think that our good works, our religious actions are going to get us to God and get us the favor of God. But guys, this is simply another tactic of the flesh because why? It's fear-based behavior modification. We're trying to change the way we act because we're afraid that God's not going to bless us, that his goodness can't reach us. And so therefore, we have to be better and better at what we do. It's just based on our actions. It's fear-based. And when we die, when we struggle with this, when we die, we want to look to God and we want to point back to Sundays. We want to say, God, look at what I did here. Look at what I did there. And this is another tactic of the flesh. It's simply another way to get us to put our freedom in our own strength, in the things that we can do, the actions that we can control. And so you can be very, very good. This is the downside for us as Christians. All right, and what we want, God wants to free us from to be able to live in the Spirit. We can be very, very good and still living in the flesh. The reason why is because the flesh is about external behaviors, not an internal heart. The question is, what is going on in our hearts? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? How do you know if you struggle with this? What, are, what is one of the ways that you know that I know that I struggle with this reality of dealing with flesh by being very, very good? Well, one of the ways is you, beca- you begin to compare yourself with other people. I'm better than that guy, and I haven't got things figured out like that girl. All right, you compare yourself to others. And if you look good, you feel good. If you don't look good, you feel bad. And that's kind of the way that this begins to make, it, make itself out in our lives. There's just not enough. We think there's not enough cosmic Christmas presents to go around. God isn't able to bless all of us with our goodness. And so we've got to shore up as much as we can by doing the things that we think are good because we want God to bless us, but there's not enough to go around. And see, here's the problem is that when we do this, we just keep looking at our own righteousness to validate ourselves, right? And here's the problem because deep down, remember the struggle, spirit and flesh, we know that we don't measure up. We know that we'll never measure up. You know, I remember when I, was first, when I first became a Christian and I was like, man, God, I'm doing so awesome. Like, you know, I stopped doing that. I stopped smoking. I stopped cussing. I broke up with that girl. I am doing awesome. I've got this. What else you got, God? He's like, yeah, there are a few more things that I'd like to take care of. You remember feeling that way? And it's like, here's the thing. When you start to compare yourself with others, there's always somebody else that you can compare yourself against. Like, then you meet those super Christians. Those people that get up at like 4 a.m. and pray for like 13 hours, pray for 27 hours, not even 27 hours in a day, they pray for all of them. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And you wake up as early as you can and it's like 10 a.m. Like, man, I remember thinking that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to pray as long as I can. I'm like praying and praying. And then I look at my watch like 13 minutes later. I'm like, awesome. Like the last seven minutes, I wasn't even saying anything that was coherent. I'm like, bread, cheese, meat, Jesus sandwiches I don't even know 13 minutes are you joking but man this Jesus thing is hard isn't it and that's the point that's the point because we're the the reality what we're supposed to is perfection that's the standard the bar is just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher you're never going to get over it. it's a good thing that Jesus Christ is our righteousness amen Amen. Amen. And that's the truth. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So legalism won't work. Why? It's a false freedom. It's a false savior. It's a false God. 
Now, the other way the, the flesh promises freedom, so the first one is, li- is lic- or excuse me, legalism. The second one is license, okay? Legalism and license. The other way the flesh promises freedom is through rejecting all rules and standards. And you can see how this works its way out, right? Freedom. I, there's no rules, no constraints. I do whatever I want to do. Right? And, and sometimes we think that that's what freedom looks like. We do this in relationships. We're like, don't you tell me how to live? Like, I tell me how to live. Right? Like, I'm the one who has the best solution for how I should do things. We don't want people telling us what to do. I don't want that. That's the other tactic of the flesh. I think there's an illusion of freedom going on here. I get to do what I want. But you know what? The, word, the Bible has another word for this. It's also called rebellion. And it's another illusion of freedom. Let's look at some of these. Now, I don't want to, when we look at the works of the flesh, it's really easy because here's the deal, man. I know my own flesh. We all know our flesh. So we don't want to beat each other up over this. We know that we struggle with this. But here's what we're going to take a look at. We're going to ask the question is, not the external actions, but why? Why are we doing these things? Why are they driving? What's going on in our heart that's driving us away from life in the spirit, okay? So that's going to be the, the, the tenor and the demeanor as we talk about this. But let's read them here because we've got to look at them. In verse 19, it says, uh, <clears throat> The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so we're not going to get into too much detail here, but just here's what we can say about this. Okay, the first, there's a couple of groupings of words, all right, that are going on here. And uh, here's the deal. Our actions, as we think about our actions in these areas, our actions don't define who we are. Jesus Christ defines who we are. But you know what? Our actions can be a diagnostic. They can tell us something about what's going on in our hearts. Okay? That's the key. Our actions can tell us something that's going on inside of our hearts. So I don't want to get into too much detail here, but let's just talk about these first couple groupings. The first three words have to do with our sexuality. And here's what I want to say about that. Guys, we don't define our sexual morality. God defines our sexuality. This is God's idea. God set it up. And guess what? His idea is perfect. It's amazing. God's idea of sex is incredible. And when we get outside of that, we're settling. We're settling than something le- for something less than what God created. It's kind of like if you go to the grocery store, right? You're going to buy grapes and apples, and then you show up and they charge you twice as much as what, they're co- what they really cost. We're getting ripped off. It's cheapening our experience because Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, has a powerful reality for our sex and our sexuality. And the reason why it's awesome is because he designed it. It's his idea. Our culture is going crazy with this. We know this. All right? They're all over the map. We have to center our world, our life, on what the Spirit of God says. And guys, we will get the best version of it. It was designed by him. He's the one that came up with the idea. He made all the plumbing, right? He made that stuff. We can trust him. God is good. He made it for our good. And so let's depend on him and look to him to tell us what that means. Here's the promise, okay? In the spirit of God, there is no fear. 
There's no control. There's no manipulation. It's perfect. There is intimacy. There is joy. There is freedom in our sexual identity and in our sex. It's wonderful when, it's, when it works the way that God designed us to work. Okay, that's all I wanted to say about that. But it's powerful and it's important. So flesh can't deliver on what it's promising when it comes to our sexuality. And there's two words that deal with our spirituality. It talks about idolatry and witchcraft. And really these two words are kind of merged together. The idea here is it's the faking of the work of the spirit and spiritualism that is not centered on Jesus. Okay, here's the reality. Guess what? You are a spirit. You were designed to be a spirit. And you have a body, but you know what? When Jesus Christ comes into your life, your true spirit wakes up. So there's this part of us that wants to wake up all the time. And guess what? The world offers a false version of that. The flesh tells that there's another way that you can fulfill the needs and desires of your spirit outside of Jesus Christ, and it's false. It's not true. So there's all kinds of spiritualism, you know, all kinds of different things that are, that are kind of t- tapping into something, tapping into something that all of us have a desire for, but are not going to get us there. Unless it's centered and focused on Jesus Christ and him alone, it's not real spiritualism. It's false. And it's a desire of the flesh. And it's going to lead us to a lie. All right, then there's eight words that destroy relationships, okay? It talks about selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, hatred, and then four words that describe the results of those relationships. Discord, fits of rage, dissensions, factions. Okay, here's the thing. Our relationships are important. They're important. I mean, in these lists, there's competitive, there's competitiveness, self-seeking motive, desiring what others have, Motivation that comes from a desire to make yourself look good, hostility, an adversarial attitude. And then what happens? You've got these anger outbursts, you've got divisions, you've got groups picking sides. All these things end up creating a divide in our relationships. Because here's the thing there's this part of us that says, well, if I can have freedom, I can do whatever I want in my relationships. I can react, I can blow up. I can run away, I can hide, I can shut down. The flesh is, I can explode in anger. The flesh is telling us a way to go in our relationships. And it seems like freedom. But here's the reality. What's the result? Is disunity. We, our relationships fall apart. We end up dividing each other. And you guys, maybe some of you have even been in churches where this has happened. Right? It's not about the carpet, is it? It's about the flesh in all of us that is trying to divide us. And here's the thing, man, this is uh, Southcrest, this is so important to us. We love the body of Christ. And I'm talking about the corporate body of Christ. There are some incredible churches here in Noonan, y'all. Amazing churches. We've got a policy on our staff. Sean's like, I will make this happen. You boys better watch out. A policy on our staff that says, we're just not going to speak against another church. Or against another leader of another church. Because we are the body of Christ. We're designed to be together. Amen? Amen? Isn't that right? So we don't want to speak against one another. We want to, say, we want to speak well of each other. Guess what? The revival that God has for us is a revival for everybody. He wants to transform all the churches. And that's what I want to see. That's what we want to see. We want to see the body of Christ coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what happens when we listen to the Spirit. But the flesh, all it wants to do is to divide. The Spirit wants to unite. There's two words here that talk about substance abuse, and it really is about addictions, okay? I don't want to go into details, but here's the reality about addictions. Addiction is anything that we use to numb the pain. TV, food, work, exercise, sex. The question is, are you running from your pain? That's the question. The flesh wants to medicate. The flesh wants to put a Band-Aid on our pain. The flesh wants to make an easy solution, the quick, easy way out. And so it will be any, you'll, you'll find all creative kinds of ways to, be an addic- to find addictions in your life. It's not just the big ones, although those are there. We can use all different kinds of things. And the question is, are you running from your pain? Because the Spirit wants to take us through our pain and to understand why we were hurt in the first place. That's what the Spirit of God is designed to do. For all these things, the solution is clear. All these areas, the solution is clear. Walk by the Spirit. Now, we have to be very careful here, okay? Because at the end, it gives us a warning. And this is one of those warnings in the Bible that you can't really ignore, but you've got to be careful how you read it. It says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so here's what Paul is saying here. This isn't about a momentary relapse. This isn't about infrequent setbacks, because that happens to all of us, guys. We're going to continue to battle with the flesh, Okay? So don't get overly concerned, but it is for those who just refuse to grow and change over the course of their lives. So what it is we can't say, we can't say, well, that's just, I'm just never going to grow in that area. We can't ever say that or else there's this warning in scripture. We just need to listen to the warning and let it settle in and say, you know what? I'm going to, that's going to be back here in the back of my mind, but that doesn't even matter because I'm going after the spirit of God. I'm going to go after the Spirit. So if you go after the Spirit, if you continue to work on your life, there is joy and peace and salvation offered you, the fullest version of life available through the Spirit of God. And so that's what we need to encourage ourselves with. That's where we want to talk, that's where we want to focus this morning, is we have the Spirit of God on our side. Amen? We have the Spirit of God on our side. Now, here's how we know the Spirit is at work, okay? He does two things. The Spirit always points to Jesus, and the Spirit is always stronger than the flesh. You see, our hearts truly want what God wants. The Spirit wants to lead us to our truest, deepest desires. The things that we're trying to get met, the microwave of the, of the flesh, the immediacy of the flesh, The Spirit wants to give us the fullness of every one of those desires. That's what He does. And He's always stronger than the power of the flesh. So our desires are truer in the Spirit and they're stronger in the Spirit. That's good news. Amen? And so here's the cool thing. Verse 17 talks about desires. The Spirit is desiring us to be like Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God holds pleasures in his right hand. Every single pleasure of the world are sitting there in God's right hand. We can trust him. His ideas are better than the world's. So how do we know the spirit of God is at work in our lives? We see his fruit. It says in verse 22, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And here's what I want to say about that, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit grow together. Right? It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit. Singular. It's important. Because these things grow together. Because if we don't let them grow together, it's just another flesh tactic. Well, I got, I got enough peace in my life. I may not be very good at kindness, but I got some peace. No, you're, 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 that's not peace. That's just lack of caring. Right? You just don't really, it's apathy. You don't care about anything. So you found peace. Awesome. So we've got to be very careful because the spirit, when the Spirit is at work, about, work in us, it's not just our character superlatives going to, you know, at work. It's the fact that we have allowed the Spirit of God to change us over time. And you're going to see the evidence of every single one of these things flowing together in your life. And I also want to say this. The fruit of the Spirit are like little people that live inside your head and help you make emotional choices. No, wait, that's Pixar. I'm sorry. I just got real confused there for a second. That's inside out. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Total reference. But here's the cool thing. We have the Spirit of God. It's better than Disney, right? We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Amen? That's the, where we want to land today. So, man, how can we have peace? How can we have joy? How can we have love? How can we have kindness? It's the Spirit of God. He enables those things to be at work in our life. So what does this mean for you and me? Well, it means that we need to give up on focusing on external behavior changes when you encounter the flesh, okay? Stop thinking external. Think internal, all right? That's what we have to do. We have to change the way we look at it. And we need to look to Jesus. We need to recognize and understand that we have these flesh strategies, but Jesus is the truest version. He's the one who we really want. He's going to be the one that fulfills the deepest desires of our heart. And so when they rear up, when we see the flesh at work in our lives, we need to look to Jesus. We need to worship him. We need to celebrate him. We need to allow the spirit of God to show up. We need to ask him to do the work in our hearts, the deep parts of who we are, that needs to be done to allow us to walk in step with him. So the spirit points us to Jesus. And, um, and that's where we really want to focus our time as we close is we want to focus in on Jesus Christ. Fall more in love with Jesus today. Say no to the flesh. Say yes to the Spirit of God. In verse 24, and this is where we're done with this, it says that we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. The flesh doesn't own you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have given your life to him, if you're a follower of Christ. You belong to Jesus. So what does that mean? That means that our approval and welcome from the Father doesn't rest on our actions or even our good character tra- traits. It rests on the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're free to acknowledge where he, we have given up an area of our lives to the flesh. There's freedom there. You don't have to hide anymore from those flesh things that want to rise up. You can expose them in your own life and bring them to Christ. Submit them at his feet. Ask him to do a work in your life. You're free to confess these things where you have lived in the flesh and not sought to keep in step with the Spirit. You're free to realize where you've confused the spiritual gifts of God with just some other character superlative and then say, Lord, I repent of that. I want the true work of the Spirit in my life. How do we crucify the sin nature? We get out of the behavior and we get out of the behavioral level and we get into the motivational level. Look at our hearts. 
So guys, let's pray. I want to close with this. I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. As we pray, think about this idea. Maybe you even say this prayer. It's a prayer to crucify the sinful nature. Lord, my heart thinks that I must have this thing. Otherwise, I have no value. It's a false savior. But to think and feel and live in this way is to forget what I mean to you and how you see me in Christ. By your spirit, I will reflect on your love for me in Christ. By your spirit, I will reflect on your love for me in him until this thing loses its attractive power over my soul. This takes time, guys, but if you will stay in the fight, God will free you. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you've been hearing us talk about this freedom and you begin to realize that your spirit has never woken up in the first place. That you sense this battle with the flesh, but that's all you're sensing is the flesh. There is no spirit, it's only darkness. You can have freedom this morning. Jesus Christ wants to set you free. And so in this moment, I want to invite every single one of you who see darkness around you and there is no light to come into the light of Jesus Christ. It's available this morning. All you have to do is step into it. You say, Jesus Christ, save me. Jesus Christ, save me. Save me from my sin. Save me from my flesh. Save me from my own way of living. Make me alive. Make my spirit alive. I give you my life. Help me to live the way that you want me to live. Those aren't magic words. Those are just a cry for help. And if you cried for help this morning, and this is the first time, man, we want to help you. We want to know about it. And so if you said yes to Jesus, and this was the first time you said yes to Jesus, will you just grab my eye real quick? I'm going to be, nobody else is looking around. But if that was you this morning, you said, Jake, I prayed that prayer. Come look. I want you to look me in the eye. Look me in the eye. Even give me a little hand. I'd love to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning because you just made the best decision of your life. The Spirit has just freed you. And you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. It's powerful. He points to Jesus. So if you prayed that, look at me. Just give me a little wave. Let's put your hand up real fast because I want to see you. I want to make sure I see you. I think I saw a couple people. Thank you so much for looking at me. I'm praying right now, Jesus, fill them with your Spirit. Empower them, Lord Jesus, to overcome the flesh. I'm going to pray for everyone in this room right now, everyone in LaGrange. I'm going to pray for you right now. God, right now, we want to live by your Spirit. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to empower us to live by your Spirit. Right now, as a community of faith, and we're praying this out for our whole area, Lord, South Atlanta, we declare freedom in Jesus' name. We declare the Spirit of God is active and alive in our lives. And we pray, Lord Jesus, help us to walk according to the Spirit. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name.